Scripture so clearly calls us to care for the orphans, and today we are in for such a treat. We are going to be talking with a couple of my dear friends. I have with me today a good friend, Sarah Dykema. She has two sons who are five and seven years old. She is a business owner and works with other moms running um, a business, and you can follow her if you're interested. After hearing from her today, you can follow her at purpose underscore life underscore homes on Instagram. And I know that you're just going to love everything she has to share. And also someone so dear to me is my good friend, Kimberly Gunderson. I have a hard time not calling her Mrs. Gunderson because I've known her since I was a little girl. She is my senior pastor's wife and she just has so much wisdom to share on this topic of adoption. She has six children ranging in ages from 25 to 39. So she survived all those younger and teen years and made it through well and is now Grammy to eight little ones. Um, And she also runs a small school for at-risk youth. So we are so glad to have them here today. And I'm so glad that you can be with us for this conversation. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Kimberly, thank you so much for being here today. Krista, thank you for having us. So fun. And thank you, Sarah, for coming. Such an honor. It's going to be so much fun. All right, adoption. I am so glad that you could both be here. I know that this is just something so near and dear Mm -hmm. to your hearts and what's filled your homes. Mm -hmm. And so God has used this in your lives, and I know that he is going to use this to encourage people today. So um, why don't you first just introduce your family? Uh, Sarah, why don't you start? All right. Um, I'm Sarah Dykema, and um, I'm married to my husband, Jeff. We've been married for just over 17 years. And my husband and I met something that just kind of pertains to our whole adoption story is prior to my meeting my husband, he had a um, spinal cord injury. He took a dive into a, a lake in Michigan. And so he was 18 years old and it left him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And so after we met and embarked on our marriage, um, we knew that starting a family may be a difficult thing in our, in our future. And so I think we were married about 10 years when we decided let's, you know, let's start. Like, I think this is the time God has for us. We waited a good long while and realized, um, into that journey that it wasn't maybe going to be through bio, you know, having a biological child. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to just jump right into adoption. And so I personally don't know if I have ever been, if like, if I can have children biologically, it wasn't anything we ever really looked deep into because we really felt the Lord calling us into adoption. So Mm -hmm. we've adopted two little boys through, um, foster care. And so we adopted our little boy, Ari, who's seven, and he was 10 days old when he came home to be with us. And then our little Alan, um, we got him at six months, but we met him at four weeks old. Um, We were his third home when he was six months old. And so he's five now. So Mm. I've got two rambunctious little boys, both finalized through adoption and living up the Dykema name in the house and, you know, jumping off things and giving me a heart attack daily. I love the things you post sometimes (laughs) with them. Like they're such a crack up. Oh, they're crack up. Busy boys. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. Well, great. And Kimberly, introduce us to your family. 
We have a strange way we put our family together. So <laughs> people don't need to, you know, take this to heart. It's very strange. We had two biological daughters. I did have a little trouble getting pregnant. And um, adoption was always on my heart since I was a teenager. I wanted to adopt and I wanted to adopt sibling groups. It was real important to me, the idea of keeping kids together mm-hmm. in family groups. Um, but I you know, supernaturally got pregnant with Abby, our firstborn. And then two years later with Leah, and I said, that's it, you know, that I really, really want to adopt a sibling group. And Glenn really, really wanted to keep it under four kids. So we adopted two boys, but they were older than our girls, which of course, Mm -hmm. a lot of people would say breaks all the rules. Mm -hmm. And they were seven and eight and our girls were four and five. So, and the boys were in an orphanage in South America, in Cali, Colombia, mm. and uh, had been there most of their lives in the orphanage. So we had, you know, five, seven, nine, ten, or some, something under, like four kids under ten. It was one of those. Yeah. You know how that is. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and then years later, when I think Leah was maybe like seven or eight, we um, did foster care. Um, not thinking we would adopt again. Glenn said, no, 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 only four. So now we have six. And yes. <laughs> he never wins on that stuff. But anyways, um, there were two little kids that we fostered and thinking that they would be raised um, by their biological family, which didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so now there are two youngest, Noah and Rebecca. Well, I'm excited to hear the stories of each of your adoptions. I feel like people are so excited to share their birth stories. That's kind of a thing I see on social media is people so excited to share the stories of how their children were born and all of that. And I think adoptions have such a deep, beautiful story to each of them. And so I know, Sarah, you have two different Mm -hmm. adoption stories. And Kimberly, you really have two different Mm -hmm. stories also because Mm -hmm. of your pairs of adoption. Right. So Sarah, let's let you start. You want to start with Ari's story? Sure. I would love to. So um, when we went into the foster foster system and into the uh, intent to adopt, there's always that kind of mindset of, well, this might not actually end up in adoption, Mm -hmm. but you have to open your home up first to the idea of fostering, which when your heart is set on adoption, that's a really hard kind of risk and, you know, a fear that will settle in. And so we really had to start relying on scripture and just our, you know, really lay the land of how, how is this going to look in our home if this, this little baby who comes in is going to be removed later. But that, that was for the Lord to work on us. And we trusted Mm -hmm. that he would do that. And so, uh, we went through our whole home study and went through the county and, um, thinking it would be within a year and a half, we got a call five weeks in (laughs) and you'll never forget that call that you get. It's probably the equivalent of you finding out that you're pregnant on the mm-hmm. stick, you yeah, know what I mean? And doing five weeks. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah like, not the nine right. weeks that the yeah, little stick would normally indicate. <laughs> go get them in four days. Okay. So, um, so I will never forget that phone call. I remember I was in my bedroom getting dressed for a, a meeting at work and all of a sudden I just started pacing and my social workers on the phone and I was just like starting to sweat. And I'm just like, I go out in the living room. I'm like, there's a baby, there's a baby, there's a baby, you know? And so we're running through the house. Like, I don't know what that means. And like, so he was four days old and we have a very unique situation through the foster system because very rarely, usually in foster care, especially going through for here in Southern California, it's kind of a detained situation through the county. Mm-hmm. Um, this baby actually came through the county, but it was a voluntarily relinquished baby at bedside. So mom um, didn't have any plans going into her, her pregnancy. The baby would have been detained just given the state of the mom's health when she came into the hospital, but she chose kind of... It, 
it wasn't even safely surrender because she wanted to know us. And so mm. she got oh. to be handed um, the home studies and the booklets mm-hmm. of these people that were looking, you know, part of the relinquishment program of the county foster system. Um, and she picked us. And the ironic thing was part of Jeff and my journey being that Jeff's in a wheelchair, we never, our story in our head was we didn't want to go private adoption because we always thought, well, the parent's going to have to pick us. Like they're never going to pick a dad in a wheelchair. And we were really honest about that. We were kind of like, I don't know that I would, (laughs) you know, selfishly. I'm like, I, I, that was just something we felt wouldn't probably go our way. And so the irony there is she got to pick us and Isn't that she's just so the Lord too. Yeah. Here just was show, showing you. Let me yeah. Just show up. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about how you're going to get wow. picked. I've picked. Mm. And so, um, she picked at her bedside, um, off of a black and white picture of us. And she said, you just, you emulated joy. And I was like, it was black and white. How do you see joy in that? You know? And so we met birth mom. We sat at a table just like this, a round table, and we went up there and we actually met birth mom and birth dad. Mm -hmm. And so um, our first adoption was very, very unique, even to the system. Our social worker was just actually shocked. Um, They signed off both of them right there. And within six months, he was a finalized adoption. So that's very, very rare Mm -hmm. in in the county. Um, And so that was our first adoption story. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then tell us about your second one. Yeah. So Alan, a lot of people ask if they're biological brothers and they are not. Um, but Alan, we live, we live in one county in, in, in Southern California. Everything's pretty much broken up into the county adoptions. And a lot of times they don't let you transfer your home studies or things unless there's some outstanding circumstances. And this was a kinship type thing. We were Mm -hmm. a non, uh, non-related extended family member. Nerfum, have you heard that acronym? Yeah. So very catchy. Though. Very catchy. So um, the church we were attending, I had a dear friend of mine and um, her brother was just in a troubled situation in life and um, circumstances caught up to he and the, the girlfriend and they were pregnant and both of them, ironically, were both there when the baby was born. Um, and my friend called me knowing that we had had Ari through foster care and that that would be something that they were going to they were going to detain this baby. And so she called the social worker and said, I have a friend who's on on the, on the list and they're waiting in San Bernardino or, you know, well, for us, it's San Bernardino. Um, and, and this baby is coming from a different County. So, you know, would they qualify? And so we started the process of, of doing this kind of kinship thing, uh, relationship kind of adoption. And the cool thing is both my boys are open adoptions. Mm -hmm. Nothing I ever thought I would be open to because it sounds so scary. And that's, I think that's tell people what that is though. Yeah. So that's a term people may not understand. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a part of our story and our testimony that we love to share with people because open adoptions, basically where you're going to have a relationship with the birth family may not mm-hmm. be birth mom, but the birth family. And for us, we've never actually met our youngest birth mom, but I have a very open relationship with my oldest mom. Like we, we do a lot of things together now. Wow. And that's something we can dive into if, if that's where the yeah. podcast takes us. But, um, for Alan, I, I'm very good friends with the aunt. We get together. They're part of our family. They're cousins now. And so both my boys, um, have their biological mm-hmm. families a part of their daily lives. Um, wow. our boy Ari has two older, uh, two older siblings. They're all a year apart. And then Alan has a half sister and cousins and we're all, we live close by and we get together. And wow. So, and I feel like that's unique. one of those things that I would say, Oh, I don't know how I would do that. Like, oh, I feel like yeah, for fear sure. is so yes. prevalent 
in the whole idea of adoption because it feels like there's so much unknown. Yes. Like, but what if, or right, right. how could I? And mm-hmm. I would, th- and cause I hear that and I'm like, oh, in my head, I think I could mm-hmm. never, yes. I could never do that. But you would have said you could never do that. Right. And here you are. A hundred percent. And I always say to people, you're going to have a thousand questions and I'm going to have no answers. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to want to ask me all these things. And believe me, I don't know yet. Like yeah. th- you said rule book, you know, and it's kind of like, there is kind of this like rule book out there with really no guidelines. <laughs> well, and I think the funny thing about open adoption, which was just unheard of really back in the day, yeah. um, it was just considered very challenging for people. Nowadays, I think the research has shown that it makes for much more successful adoptions mm-hmm. because children need that. And, and I was going to say, but my thought about adoption is every adoption comes out of brokenness. Mm-hmm. There is no happy adoption story. At least they don't start that way because mm-hmm. there's a break. I mean, adoption is, you know, so much like um, our own story of being adopted by Christ, which mm-hmm. is the, what I would love to talk about is the, yes. is how it's just so biblical. And mm-hmm. so when you have an adoption, something broke along the way. And so there is a very root of, of heartbreak at some point. And, and sometimes it never really goes away. And, and I think we can say that with confidence. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. always going to be a sadness. Um, but I think open adoptions, the idea has been that it will give that peace to everyone. Mm-hmm. So there's rather a than the healing fe- yeah, that's taking there's place, there's a like healing, there's wholeness. Yeah. And so that fear of, well, the birth mom's going to come back and take the child. Open adoptions mm-hmm. absolutely relieve that fear mm-hmm. because now you you don't have that, that someone's lurking around the schoolyard and going to pick your kid up or run off. And the idea that your child won't have as many of those fearful questions, mm-hmm. like our older boys were adopted from an orphanage in South America. They had no idea about their birth parents. We had gone down to adopt them there. And so we knew some stories and people who knew them, but- you know, had we known more and been able to fill in some of the gaps for them, we're not sure, you know, that those are actually their birth dates. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't you go ahead and tell their story? Tell us story of John. Well, Peter. we had the two biological girls. And like I said, I always wanted to adopt. And when we, Glenn always said, if we're going to do this, we really want to adopt the most needy children. Mm-hmm. You know, that really was because we had two biological kids and there were so many people waiting for biological uh, excuse me, adopted babies. Yes. And so we sort of thought that we've done that, you know, that's fine. And we're experienced parents now. We kind of have a gift that we're bringing to a child, mm-hmm. which is we're kind of good at this. Or, you know, good enough. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. And we can get up in the morning. We, we, get we had on the table. two of them. Yeah. Um, and so when the, we did put in with an adoption agency that works primarily overseas, brings uh, children, especially children with needs. And our older son, John, as you know, mm-hmm. um, was born with a pretty significant birth defect that was involved his colon and surgery down there just was a mess and they couldn't really get him healthy. And so at, you know, seven and a half years old, he was brought to the States for medical purposes through an agency called Heal the Children. And yet as orphans, they said, well, we'll never send him back. We're going to find him a family here. But he also happened to have a brother who was still at the orphanage, who was, um, they were relinquished about the ages of one and two. And uh, so he was waiting to be adopted as well to be brought up with his brother. Um, and I forget where I'm going with this, but they had no, no connection with parents mm-hmm. at all, you know, and, um, they would, you know, I remember John, especially he's very tender hearted and he'd say, I just, I just wonder what my mom is doing. Or he would say things kind of angry, like, you know, she didn't want me, mm-hmm. you know? And I said, well, it's someplace in between. And I'm yeah. telling you every year on your birthday, I guarantee you, she's thinking about you. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you. Well, I don't know. And he'd have all kinds of, you know, 12 year old emotions mm-hmm. that every 12 year old yeah. has, but they, there are no answers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when he was 
John was like 27, 28. Uh, he'd been living in South America. He'd met his wife down there. Um, but he felt this, always felt this need to go back and mm-hmm. find his, his biological family. And he wanted them to know Jesus. John's my evangelist. He's literally, he's a pastor Mm -hmm. and, and truly, you know, as a pastor. But before then, he just had this evangelist heart and he, and he just grieved for them to not know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So eventually he made some friends in, in Columbia that, um, at Bible college that were take him back and take him around and help him, um, with the language. And, and within four days of landing in country, when he was 27 years old, with the help of all these individuals, he found his biological family. Wow. And he'd been told, you know, that will never happen. That will never happen. And he said, with Jesus, it's can happen. Mm-hmm. It's possible. And so he was able to lead his mom to Christ, his yes. uh, brother, sisters, nieces, nephews. He found everybody in a tiny little, you know, I want to say jungle home in in uh, in South America. And then was able a couple of days later to find his biological father. They were no longer mm-hmm. together. And um, so many questions answered. He says, I don't even feel the need to go back. It was just like I needed to see them. I needed to know that I had given them the opportunity through my knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he said, I have a family in America. Mm-hmm. You know, and our son Andrew didn't even go down. He goes, you're my family. You're my family. So, you know, this whole fear that children, you know, if you're watching up, you know, Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. you're going to think that every biological parent is lurking in the corner to come and steal your child. And, you know, and your child, all they want to do is be back with the biological parent. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to remember that Satan is not in favor of adoption. Mm, yes. Because it is an absolute, absolute picture of Jesus Christ yeah. and what he's done for us to bring us into the family. We're sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll say that. Why? Because we're adopted mm-hmm. by our Heavenly Father. And so when you hear people afraid mm-hmm. of adoption, it grieves me so much. That mm-hmm. idea, well, they'll, you know, I'd have to give them back. Well, that isn't really why, yeah. <laughs> especially foster care, the, it, the goal yeah. isn't to keep them. And, and if God's plan is for them to go back to their biological family, think of the health and healing mm-hmm. that you've created in that space for the family maybe to get their act together, mm-hmm. um, for the child to get some, like in my case, some medical care um, that we were able to just work the system. He had like 30 mm-hmm. surgeries, but he mm-hmm. had us fighting for him, which he wouldn't have had in the orphanage or whatever. So I think that we we really need to reorient and get a fresh perspective on what mm-hmm. adoption is. Mm-hmm. It is a Good. picture of Christ and Satan hates it. Mm-hmm. And so when people are afraid of it mm-hmm. or they say things to me like, oh, I, I like my life and I'm afraid it'll disrupt my life. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Every mm-hmm. baby disrupts your mm-hmm. life. It should. If you it know? doesn't disrupt your life, it's actually mo- you're doing yeah. it wrong. Well, it's no. a mobile. And I always say like that over the cribs in the old days, you know, had that mobile and if you add something to it, it's going to make it mm-hmm. all wobble. Absolutely. And it eventually settles in. Mm-hmm. Or if you take something off, it wobbles. And so to expect it to be smooth and yeah. easy when you're going against human nature, mm-hmm. which is to have someone else raise you, you're supposed to, you know, supposed to be raised yeah. in a biological home, but it's supernaturally perfect right. and beautiful when you mm-hmm. look at it through Christ's eyes. Yeah. And so that's something I think that is super important mm-hmm. when we talk about adoption. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, all of those unknowns and those fears. Mm-hmm can be the same differently, but the mm-hmm. same with any. Like you don't know mm-hmm. really when you get pregnant, oh, what that story is going to be. You don't know absolutely. what your birth story is at the beginning mm-hmm. of your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think about that verse that says, and God is able to make all grace abound in you so that in all things, at all mm-hmm. times, and all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Mm-hmm. That it is God's grace. And that in the unknowns and the fears of the unknowns, that God's grace will equip you. Mm-hmm. And in our weakness, that's when he's made strong. And we're supposed to be weak. 
that if we put ourselves in situations where we're not able to, there is no way in my own power that I can do this. That is when Jesus can show up Mm -hmm. and he can enable us. He can be the strength. He can be the power. Well, and I also think there's this whole idea of I'm going to rescue a child. Mm -hmm. So we think we have to do a great job at it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to rescue a child. Mm -hmm. And we worked with an agency once who said when people, they're looking through files and families. And if the family says their motivation for adoption is to save a child, to rescue a child, Mm -hmm. they put that at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the pile because that is not the right motivation. You don't have your biological children. Thank you for giving birth to me. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't require that of a mm-hmm. biological child. I don't require that of my adopted children. Mm-hmm. And people would say, I remember someone telling Andrew once uh, when he was freshly adopted, didn't even mm-hmm. speak English yet. And they said, you should be so grateful. And I turned to him oh. in my broken Spanish. They said, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, please do not think that you owe me. Mm-hmm. You know, and sure enough, in a loving family, you get hugs yes. and kisses and, you know, and they, and they do adore, you know, yeah. and you adore them. And that's, that happens. Mm-hmm. And eat with adopted children, you mm-hmm. have that mm-hmm. and that gratitude. And my boys were, you know, knew they were being adopted. They mm-hmm. knew that they had lived in an orphanage. They knew when Andrew um, was, when they were new that he was going to come to America and they had a social worker at the orphanage and kind of working him through what was about to happen for him. And they prepared him really well. And what was your main reason you really wanted to be adopted? And he thought for a while and he said, I really want a mom. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, bring out the tissues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want a mom. You're talking about children who want parents. Mm-hmm. And to say, well, I, I don't know if I can do it. It was, you know, I couldn't give them back on that. It isn't about you. Mm-hmm. You're the grown up. You're mm-hmm. the one who's born in, and, and, you know, Glenn always talks about that sermon he did. You know, you, there's a line, you know, yeah. from eternity, you know, from beginning of creation till there is no end, right? Yeah. We are supposed to live for the dot. This life we have mm-hmm. is a dot. Mm-hmm. And to think we can preserve it. And I'm going to keep my nice, tidy life. <laughs> and God says, I can, Take that in a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can, you know, one phone call and your life is never the same again. Mm-hmm. So to think that you can protect, you know, your neat little home by not bringing in a child mm-hmm. in need is just so, so that's not God. Yeah, God absolutely. doesn't call us to easy. Yeah. He doesn't call no. us to fair. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, maybe it is going to be hard or maybe you do have to pile a few more kids yeah. and maybe you don't get to go to Disneyland and you don't mm-hmm. have the funds to do all the, you know, the things other people do because you have more children. And but trying to keep your life tidy mm-hmm. is so well. And thinking about when it's hard, all of those thoughts that I have because we haven't adopted, but we've always had a place in our heart that when I hear about adoption and when I hear stories or sermons on it, my heart beats in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the Holy Spirit. It is absolutely. I know that's the Holy Spirit. It isn't for us. everyone. Adoption no. is not. And I never want to. Just like with homeschooling, right. I you know homeschooled for eleven years, and I never say, oh, you should Everything. really do this right. if you're a good parent. <laughs> If you're a good parent, if you're a good Christian, you adopt. I would never say that. And yet I would challenge people. I can't tell you how many times I've gone out for coffee with families that never end up adopting mm-hmm. because they get scared. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm telling you reality. Mm-hmm. But I would tell you the same thing yeah. if you were about to give birth. Yes. I yes. would tell yeah. you, you know, your child may come out not looking like yeah. you'd mm-hmm. hoped. Or a friend of mine just found out their five-year-old has autism. Mm-hmm. You know, you're <laughs> you're not guaranteed. Well, and you They're never easy. know. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to support people through adoption. That's what I was going to ask. You don't have to jump in. Share about that. 
Yeah. What so in, in the, in the foster care world and when you're tied into a, a certain county and they're, that, that baby's a ward of the state. Mm-hmm. And so you have very strict guidelines and rules within your home. So for our little Alan, we were fostering t- him technically knowing we had an adoptive plan, but for a year and a half, I think it was, wow. we had to follow the guidelines of the state. And so if we went anywhere outside of, of this, of the, I think it was of the state, um, to, to travel or something, you had to put all your hotel rooms. You had to like provide your phone numbers that you're going to stay at. And they had to be able to provide that to the birth mom who we'd never met. But remember um, that's for the sake of the child. Right. right. Yeah, they right. are not trying to nail the parents. No. And I think that's where people get upset. Why do I have to fill out all this paperwork? Mm. I just want to help a child and be right. like, yeah, well, if you want to help a child, you might have some creeper. Uh, you know, who's going to be a state and never coming work. back. You yeah. Know? So it's for the well being. Yeah. To help the whole thing stay wholesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so much in there that it, there's, there's a level of respite that people can step into that they mm-hmm. can go in. And when people's heart is beating differently and they're hearing it maybe in a church setting or from friends or family, and maybe they're not in a place where they can open their home yet mm-hmm. now to a child or step into the traditional ways of adopting, they can go get licensed and go through a very easy experience to either be an emergency foster um, home. Mm-hmm. The lady that we picked Ari up from for 30 years took in emergency foster babies out of the hospital. So she was taking any baby that hadn't been placed yet with somebody and she may have them anywhere from 24 hours to five, six, seven months in her home. She was a retired woman. I still remember her name. I know where she lives because we went and got him. She's a special person because she had my baby for for a few days, you know? It makes me think of Moses's mom and how she held him and cared for him. And then she gave him in a basket to where the Lord was taking him. Yes. Like that's a different calling. Yes. So there's other places that people can serve and get involved that maybe isn't as traditional as they thought. Um, even just providing respite to these families that are tired and in the trenches. Mm -hmm. And because not everyone can babysit Mm -hmm. the babies that are in the foster system, we can't just have a regular babysitter come over that we would normally have. Mm -hmm. Um, we have to have these licensed people and we have to show proof of that to social workers. So I would encourage people to kind of tap into their county, um, you know, guidelines of how they can serve in that capacity. If that's something that their, their heart is beating to right now, hearing that. Yeah. Well, and that's one other thought I had too. What about if someone, you think about when someone has a new baby, people bring them meals. Oh, it's crazy. That, and sign up, put together a meal train, you know, and if if you did it, you could even, if you know, I have a friend who's adopting, Mm -hmm. it would bless them to give something to their family to help them and set it. If no one has set up a meal train, Mm -hmm. Do it Mm -hmm. because it's weird when you're the acceptance to say like, hey, if you like to bring me food, bring it to our house. We've got a lot going on. But if a friend offered, can Mm -hmm. I set up a meal train Mm -hmm. for you so people could bring you meals over the next month? And you have a seven-year-old who may not be sleeping at night. Right. He just moved into a new home. Mm -hmm. You know, people would look at us and think, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And I would say, I have a kid who doesn't speak English, Mm -hmm. who's never slept in a real bed. Mm -hmm. He'd never taken a hot shower. Mm-hmm. Glenn turned down the shower and he got in and he thought Glenn was trying to kill him because it yeah. wasn't cold. Mm-hmm. He yeah. never had soap. Mm-hmm. So when you think about our adjustment, it was every bit as hard as bringing home mm-hmm. an infant you'd never laid eyes on. Mm-hmm. So well, maybe harder in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a new mom, never having a biological child, like I really, my girlfriends that were my tribe of like mm-hmm. bringing, like doing a baby shower, things that I didn't get to experience in life that were such a blessing to me because mm-hmm. we did, we did join the adoption, you know, wagon a little bit different. We came in, you know, 
with these babies and it was exciting and something to celebrate. It wasn't as hard then. I feel like I'm in the trench now. I'm mm-hmm. like the heart is now. Um, but those early days were, it was just a, a, a that was my birth story. And yeah. so to have people be able, what a blessing that was to my family that they allowed me to experience that yeah, in a way cool. that yes. I wasn't when you going need to. Stuff. Frankly, yes, you need a lot of need, stuff. And when we adapted, <laughs> the boys were seven and eight. We had nothing. No one gave yeah. us a shower. No one brought us yeah. food because they didn't know what to do with us. Mm-hmm, right. I thought, I have no boy toys. Yeah. I had little yeah. girls. Yeah. I've never seen a boy go in a men's restroom. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do anything, yeah. boy. Yeah. And clothing. And people would sometimes drop off bags of used clothing. And I thought, gee, yeah. your kids all got... And it wasn't yeah. so much that I was pointing fingers. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, fortunately, people mm-hmm. are more in, in, um, yeah. aware. Yeah. yeah. So I think <clears throat> kind of wrapping up all, I mean, it's so hard adoption. I feel like it's everyone's story. We could just talk for like a whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing being that everyone can do something. So whether it be if you're called to adopt, if your heart is in just in your throat as you're hearing this and you know, oh, these are so many stories of beautiful redemption and adoption and how God brought their family together mm-hmm. in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be me going for it or if it's serving a family. But I think doing something is key. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Kimberly. And thank you so much, Sarah. Oh, and so, so much fun. to say. We'll have to do this again. <laughs> Part two. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness, there was so much to just be inspired by and led to action through this podcast today. And I hope that you were encouraged and challenged by this. You know, one of the things we kept coming back to was the fear of what if this is hard? You know, what if I brought someone to my home and then they were taken away? And I've never experienced that, you know, healing of a wound and then opening back up again and the hurt that that can be in a home. But I've walked alongside friends who have and it is painful. The reality is it's not, it's not without pain. It's not without hurt. But I believe wholeheartedly that if God is calling you to this, that he will make you able to take those steps and he will heal you through that hurt. And the question of what if I get too attached? What if I get too close to them? And then, and then it's hard when they go back. What if? I just kind of think, what, what if? What if you loved into someone so much and so deeply that they knew the love of Jesus for that time? And even if it was only for a week, even if it was only for a month or six months, that you could be Jesus to that child and go through the hurt and know that God is able to heal that and that he will continue to do a good work in that child through the seed that you plant um, or through loving a family. If there's a family who's adopting, who's near you that you can love into and serve and pray, ask God to lead you to someone who you can love, who's in an adoption process. If it's not you and be the voice to be an encouragement and to love into them. And I know that God will use that for his glory for eternity. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week as we discuss how you are equipped to teach your child 